0: Welcome to People's Church Podcast. Paul summed up three very great truths in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And he said, the greatest of these is love. Why he said the greatest of these is love is because love is what will continue when things are wound up and time is wound up. Faith and hope will be fully realized. Faith and hope are not a part of your heavenly experience. You are experiencing it firsthand. You are in the full experience of them. Faith and hope are part of our existence here and those two things are critical to how our lives are lived out, the impact that we have, the influence that we leave behind. They are what domineer our time here. I'm gonna focus on one of them today, and that is hope. Hope is one of those words that just is absolutely amazing when you understand it in its biblical definition. The world treats hope sort of uh, in a different way, a definition. It wasn't the original definition of hope in the older English, but it has become something that just kind of means these days, gee, I hope I win Powerball. It's sort of that wish. It's like, hey, I just wish that could happen. Hope in the Christian sense is already in a factual state. Hope is something that is already done. And you are, it's about who you are trusting. So we're gonna talk about hope today and because you need it. You need it in bucketfuls. More than likely in your life right now, you've got gaps of unfinished journeys. Might be short little journeys in your relationship, tough time you're going through. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's something with the finances, like it's just, yeah, you need hope. Maybe it's health. You need hope. I mean, real hope. Not I wish. Not I wish. Hope. Christian hope. The hope that God gives and the hope that puts its trust in God is the hope that gives us strength, courage, the ability to persevere, endure, to get started again, to stop what we need to It gives us incredible strength and power. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. That's an interesting phrase. I don't know about you, but I ran down my driveway and I was already weary. In fact, I can tell you this. I was weary before I ran down my driveway. This is a different experience to the normal experience. He's describing with these phrases an an experience outside the normal. You're gonna be able to do things that normally it's gonna extract this cost from you. You will not have the strength to do it. You will lose energy, not gain energy. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And what is it the basis of those, those who hope in the Lord? That's why we have to get it out of this a wishful thinking idea and put it into a trust, a hope that says this is a fact. That if I put my hope in the Lord, I'm going to have far more energy than I could ever possibly have. And if I have that kind of energy that comes from God, then I have the ability to endure. I have the ability to walk and not faint, run and not be weary, and I can soar. You need this. It's not even optional. What this world really lacks today is hope. I mean, there's not a lot of hope around here because we put it in the wrong things. We put it in government. We put it in the economy. We put it it in any kind of optimism that seems to help us along. The problem with it is that government and people and all kinds of different things are going to fail and they will fail you and disappoint you. So your hope is shattered. Hope has to be placed in something that doesn't move. There's a story about a sub that came home from the Second World War. It was late in the Second World War. And it was pulling literally into, not far from the harbor in uh, Newport News, Virginia. As it's coming into the harbor, something just goes terribly wrong with the sub. And it sinks to the bottom of the ocean in the harbor. It hadn't been touched at all during the war, but it sunk in the harbor. The Coast Guard dispatches divers. They go down, they survey the hull to see if it's been compromised or what has transpired, what has happened. They heard a sailor tapping. On the wall from the inside of the sub, the words in Morse code. Is there hope? Man, that's a very important question in life. It's fundamental. We ask it in different ways. Is there a way through this? Are we going to make it? When will this change? Is it going to change? You might be sitting in front of a pile of bills asking that question. You might be standing at the side of a fresh grave asking that question. You might be sitting in a doctor's office asking that question. You might be waiting for a new job asking that question. We're literally hungry for hope. Problem is, is when we get our hope in something else, in other than the Lord himself, That hunger leads us to do all kinds of quacky things. All of a sudden, we find ourselves grasping for straws and fads and therapies and quick schemes, get-rich schemes, gimmicks, health gimmicks. This world's full of it. Try this, it'll cure everything for you. I want you to know that I have tried a few things for hair growth. How do you like the results so far? That is called sarcasm, sir. How many here would consider themselves an optimist versus a pessimist? Optimist, you know how it goes, right? Optimist is a person that believes the glass is half full. Pessimist is a person that believes the glass is half empty. How many are optimists? How many are pessimists? Are you being pessimistic about this? Hope is neither. Optimism is not hope. Pessimism, those that believe somehow they are in fuller contact with reality. That's not hope either. Hope is when you put your trust in the fact that the Lord holds the glass. Half full, half empty, it doesn't matter to him, does it? He holds a glass. This is not just being an optimist. People make the mistake between hope and optimism. An optimist is, a, is simply somebody who really wants to see you know, the good side of it and the pessimist says, yeah, and that they're always living in disappointment. Well, the pessimist is the person that's kind of looking at things as, well, you know, there's really no hope, just live with the reality, adjust to it and get on. Neither one is going to take you anywhere in life or strengthen your life. When we talk about this particular subject, this is something in the roots of our life. I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying the fall colors that are emerging. I was driving in, and uh, the valley I need to go through, was just lit up. It's just a gorgeous time of year. I know there's some of you people that just don't like fall. How many here don't like fall? You just don't like it. I know why. I've heard from all of you. You don't like it because of what comes next. Winter. So I don't like fall because it means this has ended and that means that this is going to start. Well, it's true. It is. You're a one-season wonder. It's called summer. But what's happening right now is not just beauty. There's a cycle being revealed to you. A cycle that is true throughout all of nature. And it's true in your life also. Those leaves are turning color simply because they are sending all the energy down into the roots. It's going down deep into the roots that will be very much alive all winter long ready for the change of season to come again. When you have things in your life where the leaves are yellowing and going color and all the energy needs to transpire down into the roots. The worst thing that can happen for trees at this point in time is if we got a great big frost while they're in full green. Because they need to transfer that down in there. God is often far more concerned about the roots of your life. The roots of the life of your relationship. The roots of the life that makes choices around finances. Of of what your life's going to consist of. Those roots and what you're forming choice out of. Those roots are the key elements to holding life. To holding energy. Ready for changing seasons. Walking through all of the different seasons that come. Jesus told a story in Luke 13, six through nine. It says, Jesus told this story. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for some fruit on the tree, but he found none. So the man said to his gardener, I have been looking for fruit on this tree for three years, but I never find any. Cut it down, why should it waste the ground? But the servant answered, Master, Let the tree have one more year to produce fruit. Let me dig up the dirt around it and put on some fertilizer. If the tree produces fruit next year, good. But if not, you can cut it down. Without breaking it all down, let's just jump to the highlights. The highlights of this verse is that there was a gardener that was willing to do what was needed to bring the tree into its purpose. Its purpose was fruit. The one that was looking for the fruit, the master didn't find any and was ready to just cut it down because simply it's just wasting the ground it's growing in because its purpose is not green. Its purpose is fruit. The gardener interjects, and he says, uh, "Give me one year. Let me mess around with this thing." Do you know God messes around with you? Not in a light way, but with purpose. He allows. He even he even will go and instigate things. He will dig around the bottom of your tree. He will dig around the roots. He's going to wake up the roots. Because the problem was somewhere with the roots. It was in the ground. Notice he didn't go up top. It says, you let me mess with this thing. And he did. And so he paid attention. He dug around. He gave it some dung. Fertilizer. Often when God brings dung into our life, this is not a welcome experience. But he does. How happy are you today with how your life is right now? Under your command, under your charge. How do you like the fruit? You say, I got great green. I mean, it's summer, I got great green. Is that your purpose? Because your purpose is far beyond just that green leaf. Your purpose is the fruit that would be born on that tree. God will bring dung, He's gonna take a shovel and He's gonna prune your roots. Got to wake them up. You got to remember what this is about. You need need to have those roots pruned and you need to have a little bit of stress thrown down into there so that they wake up to the purpose that they are called to. And what is that purpose? Fruit. Fruit. There was still hope for that tree, but it needed that kind of work. There's hope for you to have in any situation that's unfinished in your life right now that you know is just beyond your power and your ability. But that hope will only come at the expense of a little bit of pruning of the roots, of deep down in you, getting beyond what people see, going to what they can't see, but God sees. He said, I don't mess around with what's going on down there. And then to throw some dung in there, Let's get this thing a shot of life. Paul said, you know, everything that I've achieved before I met Christ, and he had a long list. I was top of my game in every department. Top of my game. Nobody was better than me at these things. He says, I just counted, but dung, so that I might know Christ. See, people can look at your, at your tree and they can see a lot of green. And they say, whoa, look at that life. fruit God's going to dig deep into your heart Christian hope is birthed out of something very deep in us a faith that is upon the Lord and in him in an immovable way one in which we follow not provide leadership to God in this life Let's talk about Christian hope. I'm going to give you some big words with simple explanations. First big word is predestination. Christian hope is based upon an interesting doctrine called predestination. God chose me before I chose him. Simple explanation. God chose you to be part of his family. Christ paid the price so you could be part of his family. In First Peter, which is known as the letter of hope, it says, you were chosen according to the purpose of God the Father and were made a holy people by his Spirit. So you were chosen according to the purpose of God. Yes, you are here in the right time, the right place, and he has put within you this purpose He has chosen you for himself. This is a difficult doctrine for many people to grasp because we think that it takes away that ability to freely choose. No, it doesn't. In God, they work together, but God chose you first. You've been chosen before you ever chose him. When we let that kind of grip us a little bit, we start understand how much the Lord is interested in our lives and he wants to fill your roots with hope because if God chose you my hope goes up if I chose him and it's based on my keeping that will and that choice my hope goes down God chose you those roots of him being sovereign and saying, I choose you, and then you choose him, provide a, an amazing sense of hope. Because no matter what you go through, you know you've got a father waiting at home. No matter where you, where you go, how far afield you go, you know that you can't question that God has loved you and loves you. It's unconditional. Why is it unconditional? Because it's based on sovereignty. He chooses you. He's predestined you. Second big word, regeneration. God always treats me with mercy. Simple explanation. He he doesn't treat you with judgment or condemnation, Christian. When you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the action of regeneration... The action of actually making you something. He always works by mercy. Look at 1 Peter 1 and chapter 3. All honor to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it is by his boundless mercy. Did you get the word boundless in there? More without limit, no boundaries. Some of us buy into the lies that, you know, oh, we've gone too far, or we've got too bad a past, or, you know, the memories of the past in the left hand might be condemning you, but God wants to, by his grace, take those and put them in your right hand, and you will hear the voice of his mercy instead, and that will turn your heart to him in worship rather than being in condemnation. Regeneration is this beautiful thing that you can absolutely trust that God has a boundless mercy. He has given us the privilege of being born again. That story comes from a guy. Guy's interaction with Jesus. His name was Nicodemus, very well-educated man. He was part of the Jewish council in Jerusalem. They called it the Sanhedrin, which would be 120 individuals. In that particular position, he had this very looked up to kind of life a lot of green no fruit but he had a good heart and he was pursuing to understand jesus he knew he knew this was different he knew this wasn't just a prophet so he went out at night just put the politics in play you understand it so he goes out at night and he wants to talk to jesus And then he's talking to Jesus and this is where the conversation comes in and uh, he begins to ask him who he is and all this kind of stuff. So the conversation goes in and Jesus just basically responds and said, you must be born again. More or less, there has to be a different, whole new life birthed in you than what you have. I need a new root system. You need a new root system. The roots of faith and hope. It's an interesting thought that God has a boundless mercy for you. What excuses do you use to stay away from God? Ah, one day. One day I'll feel better about myself and then I can move closer to God. This isn't about you feeling better about yourself. It's about you bringing your life in surrender to Christ, and through him discovering a brand new self, born again. Third big word, glorification. God has secured my future. He has secured your future. First Peter, second half of three and on to four it says, now we live with a wonderful expectation. Because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. we just sang that song. The hope that's there because he rose. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for his children. Well, these are big words. This verse has so much in it, it's, it's crazy. It is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay very interesting when we start to pull that apart beyond the reach of change and decay. What are you living with? What's your expectation for the day today? What's your expectation for a week? How about next week? What's your expectation for the next year? What expectation are you seeking to realize in your life? The funny thing about expectations is is sometimes, you know, our expectations exceed exceed our abilities, which is not such a bad thing. Our expectations sometimes are way off the mark, whereby putting a lot of pressure on ourselves and others. And sometimes expectations reveal the direction of our heart. He says, we now live as Christians with a wonderful expectation. Because Jesus Christ rose again from the dead. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for his children. It is kept in heaven for you. You know, the first expectation that you should have as a believer that should lead your life is heaven. It's reality that you have a reservation there, literally as a Christian. If you've received Jesus Christ, you have a reservation. If you've not received Christ, you need to make that reservation. It can't be canceled. There's a reservation for you. It's priceless. It's an inheritance for his children. You become his children by receiving his son. And then through his sonship, you become a son and a daughter of the living God. Priceless inheritance. You know what an inheritance is. I I would almost encourage some of you to think differently as you age, to think a little differently about how you would share an inheritance with your family. Instead of waiting till... You're 80 and they're 60. Maybe give it to them just a little bit earlier. And give them the teaching on stewardship and the gifting of God. And to do something good with the opportunity that they now have. When they're 60 and you give it to them, more than likely that's going to go into... Not such great adventures. Priceless inheritance. Pure. Pure gold. Pure. Undefiled. It can't ever decay. It'll never, it'll never change. I've had some projects at home this summer and I've been working on them. Just finished, pretty much finished one up, which was front porch area, and as you take it apart, you see the water damage, you see where the decay is. It's normal. It's normal, and it has to be redone. This, Nothing like this. Everything about heaven is completely different than that. The, the reality of heaven for the believer is absolutely the most core reality you can have to anchor your faith. If you anchor your faith on heaven, then everything else comes into service because you know you have a reservation, because you know what life consists of. You know the opportunities that are here, and you can have this wonderful expectation. He's alive. He's given me a way to heaven, and that gift and inheritance of my home in heaven will never, ever change or decay. Fourth word, preservation. Just simply means, these are all big doctrines, big theological statements. God's power will protect me. First Peter 1, 5 says, And God in his mighty power will protect you until you receive this salvation because you are trusting him you have your pen and you've got that right there, if you want to get what that verse is saying to you, just take and draw a line between trusting and the word power. Those things run together. God's power will protect you. And as you have trusted Jesus, and as that trust works itself deeper into your life, as you allow that to work into the economies of your life, into the relationships of your life, as you allow that trust in the Lord to work into all of the problematic areas where we have decay and change and things that transpire here on this planet, His power will work in you, and it will protect you. You don't trust You're limiting God's power in your life. One of the hardest things to do is in our pa- places of pain is to trust God. To trust God that he will interject some kind of change into our physical, into our mental, our emotional, into our relational. It's a hard thing to trust God with when we have those kinds of Failures and pain in life. But the fact is, your ability to trust him directly is proportionate to the power he can work in your life. It's an amazing thing that it's so simple, but yet so hard to do. Why is it so hard to trust? Because trust is giving up some ownership. It's saying, I can't. And it's changing it to, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't is a hard word. This world is filled with all of these optimistic types of approaches to life. And they all fall short. Optimism is a condition of your thinking, of your mind. Hope is theological. It's based on the reality about your God and about your relationship with him and his relationship to you. How you trust his relationship to you and your relationship to him, how you trust the reality of his presence in your life is directly proportionate to the power that he will bring and that you will experience in, in your life. Hope, genuine hope is not just a psychological stance. You can murmur mantras all day long, all week long. You can do it every morning, every night. It's not that it's not gonna do you a little bit of good, but don't call it hope. Because hope exceeds all of the things of life that exceed you. Stop being a pessimist either. It's knowing God holds the glass. Because he does. He does. Fifth word. Sanctification. Bob did some good work on this last week. God is preparing me for eternity. Simple explanation. Sanctification is God's preparation in you. And he's preparing you for your home in heaven. He's preparing you to fulfill the purpose that you've been called for right here and now, and then the final move that you will make to heaven. Listen to the scriptures. So be glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though it is necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. These trials are only to test your faith, to show that it is strong and pure it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold and your faith is far more precious to god than mere gold so if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials it will bring so much praise to you in glory and praise and glory and honor on the day when jesus christ is revealed to the whole world he's saying let me tell you the end of the story The end of the story is that all the things that you endure and you go through the fiery trials, whatever category that you are fighting in right now, that as you trust God, as you allow Him to prepare in you what He wants to, uh, bring you into His purpose more fully, deal with your roots, work around it with a sharp shovel, throw some dung in there mess things up sometimes god has to mess us up a little bit so we mess quit messing ourselves up he's preparing you he's sanctifying you he is setting you apart for his purpose He is saying, and as you allow this in your life, as you go through these fiery trials, as you go through that, your faith is being tested. And as you walk through these in faith and with hope in your heart, you are going to end up in a place where you will receive much glory and praise and honor on the day Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world, fully revealed. When this is all wrapped up, you will receive the accolades. I like the story of Florence Chadwick, interesting story. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways, both ways. On July 4th, 1951, she was going to swim from Catalina to the California coastline as a follow-up. She didn't quite make it. It wasn't the cold waters. It wasn't the sharks. It wasn't the 15 to 16 hour swim. It was the fact that the fog rolled in and she couldn't see the coastline. She quit half a mile from the goal. When she got out of the water, she said, I am not trying to make an excuse, but I feel like if the fog hadn't been there and I could have seen the land, I would have made it. Later, she tried again. Just two months later, actually. The fog rolled in again. But this time she knew that the coastline was there and she completed it. In fact, she did it in two hours less time than anybody else had ever done it. Whatever God's purpose is in your life, whatever swim you're on, If you are assured of that coastline, that arrival point, if you're assured that heaven and this inheritance that he's got for you, that's waiting for you, and you make that your goal, and you trust it even in the fog of life, and there's a lot of fog in life, the swim you're on is going to be filled with foggy days. When you wonder, is God really in this? Did he really say Somebody brought doubt in Thomas to my mind this week. God had spoken to them and said to them specifically and directly, Stop doubting and believe. That was Jesus' words to Thomas. Stop doubting that he's saying what he's saying to you. Stop doubting the call. Stop doubting the nudges. Stop doubting the existence of God's inheritance for you in heaven. Stop doubting the love of God. Stop doubting his capacity. And put your trust fully in him in the middle of foggy days. And know that the coastline is there. It might be hidden from your view. You won't see it so clear. But I will tell you that if your faith and your hope sustain themselves through those days, there will be times that you can just see that coastline and you can feel that journey coming to an end. There is a point where I get to where I need to go and what I've been shaped for. You have an amazing purpose. It is now and it is then to be with him. Christian, you will be because he chose you first. And then you chose him. But have you continued to choose the purpose? Did you get out of the water a little too soon? Are you swimming in circles in the middle of the fog, totally disoriented about what your life is about, really? About what's going to count at the bottom line of life? There's a scripture that says, on the arrival of one faithful servant into heaven, the master says, Well done, good and faithful steward or servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You're going to arrive in heaven, believer. You put your faith in Jesus, you have a reservation. It is already set out for you. You already have the inheritance. It's yours, eternal life. This life must not disconnect from its purpose, its design. You must keep it connected and taught between heaven, your arrival, and where you are right now, maybe swimming in a fog, and you can have the hope. That exceeds any circumstance because you can trust the Lord. He'll carry out what He said He would. He will return and He will take you home. He's either going to return and take you home through death or He's going to return to this world and He's going to wind things up and then He'll take you home. Either way, you're going home. Heaven is. Your home, hope. Oh, well, this isn't wishful thinking. Oh my gosh, no. This is Jesus' own words. I will come again, and I will take you home. John fourteen. I have prepared a place for you. You've got a reservation. It's already done. It's it's, it's there. It's amazing. And that's why it's so tragic for us in these very, very opportunistic times as believers to get out of the water too soon. To give up because it's foggy. You've let the line between you and heaven come loose. Would you rise with me, please? God wants your roots filled with hope. That hope is going to spring eternal. That's what the Bible says. It's, it's, a, it's an eternal hope that just springs eternal. It just constantly keeps energy and life going. Winter's out there. You know, this winter, when this whole valley is just trees without any leaves on them, one thing I can tell you is that tree is very much alive. Because the leaves have taken the energy and driven it down into those roots. And when the seasons keep changing in your life and you go through all the challenges of seasonal changes, whether it's relational seasonal changes, financial seasonal changes, health seasonal changes, there is something that trumps every one of those changes. And that is that my roots are alive. And they will grow again. And there will be fruit Father you know our hearts and you know where hopelessness is gripped we've given up on fruit we've given up on fruit financially we've given up on fruit Lord when it comes to health or we've given up on fruit on economics we've given up on just fruit Lord of of, of getting out of things like depression and discouragement we've given up Lord oh God forgive us forgive us Because Lord, our hope, our roots are found in you. It's your life, born again, reverberating within us. It's in those roots. And and no matter what goes into the leaves or the superstructure above that, if the life is in the roots, we will have fall and winter and spring and summer. And every time... Life is going to emerge out of those roots. So Lord, take the sharp shovel. Dig around a little bit. Bring us some dung. Yeah, mess us up a bit so we quit messing us up. Help us to grow in you in these things. And give us peace about your amazing love and plan and the mercy that doesn't have any boundaries to it. Forgive us for the excuses that we make to stay far away from you or not respond to the whispers and the nudges of today will you live my purpose? Today will you realize a little bit of the purpose I've always had for you locked away in heaven in eternity? Today will you realize that I have chosen you before you chose me. Lord, we find peace in that. We find grace in it. I pray, oh God, that you will disturb some roots in all of us. So that our hope will be strong and secure. It may look pretty bare and up top. Oh, that's just just waiting for the beauty of spring which waits for the fullness of summer which waits for the transition of life and energy to our roots again through fall which rest in the winter with that life inside bless lord these believers If you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to make a reservation in heaven. You're here, and I'm going to say, because he wants you here. You might be watching online. It might be right here in this auditorium. But I will tell you right now that God has chosen you. You need to finish the deal. Completing the deal is you choosing him. With that, that's an action of faith. You believe what you know, and you trust what you don't know. You got a lot to learn about the Christian faith and the goodness of the Lord, but your starting point is to welcome Jesus Christ into your life as your savior from your sins, as your Lord that will unveil his purpose for you that he's always had. So if you've never received Christ, here's a little prayer you can borrow in the quietness of your heart, whether sitting at home or here. And you just say, Father, I need mercy. I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior because He delivers to me this boundless mercy. Every sin I've ever committed, Lord past, present, future. May you wash it clean. Thank you for this mercy. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord. Direct my life. I'm tired of making my messes so you mess with me a little bit in my roots. You bring some dung in so that I'll quit making my own messes. Because I really want to bear fruit in life. I don't want just the beauty of leaves. I want to fulfill the purpose of life. In Christ's name, I pray. For us that are believers, God forgive us. We've let that rope to heaven become loose. We've swum in circles in fogs. We've gotten out of the water too soon. All because, Lord, we didn't trust the coastline, heaven, our arrival. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.